This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. Um, I'm really stoked to be here with you this morning. Uh, Happy Easter, and um, I hope you guys have some plans today to to get together with family and friends. Um, But I'm stoked you're here for the word. And so um, we're continuing our series, all right? Jesus is alive, and today we're just gonna talk about, uh, just go through the narrative of the resurrection in uh, in the book of Mark. So we're gonna we're gonna read pretty much read Mark chapter sixteen here this morning and just go through this. And um, uh, I pray it ministers to you. I pray it speaks to you. I pray you get something from the word this morning. And so if you want to join with me in prayer, and then I'm gonna meet you in uh, Mark chapter sixteen. Uh, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this day, this uh, moment that we we get to just celebrate the resurrection, uh, Jesus, that you rose on the third day, you uh, are alive today, and you are working in and through our lives because you are alive. And so we thank you, Lord, uh, for this word, and I pray that you just anoint this time and bless this time as we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. And here we go. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 16 and just read through this. And um, and so uh, there's just something, there's a couple things real specific to this chapter when it comes to the fact that Jesus is alive and, and the resurrection uh, that I hope just ministers to you today. So I'm just going to just start right here, okay? Mark chapter 16, verse 1. And we're literally going to read pretty much the whole chapter, but we're just going to go... Uh, 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 bit by bit here. We're not going to read it the whole way through, but but let's dive into this. Um, Mark 16, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read um, all the way to verse 6 and uh, maybe even to 7. We'll just see here, but uh, let's jump in. So uh, as Mark 16, 1 reads, uh, now when the Sabbath was passed, uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, uh, bought spices, uh, that they might come and anoint him. Uh, Verse two, uh, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, all right, that's Easter Sunday, or what we call Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Uh, Verse three, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone with the the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, Uh, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. Verse five, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Verse six, uh, but he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth uh, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. And I think we used uh, the, out of Luke, uh, this is the memory verse today for for our kids church. Uh, He is not risen I mean, he is risen. <laughs> he is not here. But I believe we use the uh, the one from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but at any rate, let me read that again. Verse six, but he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Um, see the place where they laid him. All right? And so, praise the Lord. Um, he is alive. 
And so um, they're alarmed. They're kind of like, what is going on here? This is wild. So let's go to verse seven now. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse seven. But go uh, tell his disciples and Peter. Say that with me. Say, and Peter. Okay, say it one more time. Say, and Peter. So, but go tell his disciples and Peter. So angels are messengers of God. So this angel um, was telling them what to do. It says that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So God already told him this. So I just really wanted to just start here um, about the resurrection. When I was reading this, this is, this is so powerful here. But this special mention of Peter um, signifies something. Special mention of Peter, okay? That the Lord affirmed and accepted him even though he denied him three times, okay? And if you read in the book of Luke, the last mention of Peter was that he denied him the third time and then it came to him saying, wow, wow, you know, Jesus told me I was gonna do this, okay? So, so the last mention of Peter in Mark was that he de denied Jesus three times. And I love this, Jesus has now risen from the dead, okay? That, that you know, our redemption is, is sealed at this point. Like, as a result of the resurrection, you can go back and listen to the past couple messages, and we just talked about what that specifically meant for us, the resurrection, what that meant. Um, and here it is, and, and here it is God speaking through this angel saying, hey, make sure you tell Peter. Peter wasn't in a good place, presumably, or just from reading the scripture at this point, okay? He had denied him the third time, and um, the very last mention of him was that he did deny him. So it wasn't, you know, we, we, you know there's this gap of time there, but, but God wanted Peter to be addressed specifically in that condition of doubt, unbelief, maybe remorse, maybe brokenness, but he denied him, right? He sinned, he fell short of the glory of God and God's like, man, tell the disciples, but more specifically, let Peter know. Tell Peter, tell Peter, right? And so um, here, here is my first point and, and the way I've worded it is a little interesting, um, but I'll explain. The resurrection is for and I want you to fill in the blank because Peter was the one that seemed to get in the most trouble, uh, whether it was with his mouth, with his actions, with his doubt, his unbelief, his words, um, you know, getting in the way of Jesus' purpose and Jesus like, get behind me, Satan, right? So Peter had some issues and I want you to know today that the resurrection is for, now you go ahead and fill in the blank because the resurrection is for the doubters, the resurrection is for those unbelieving, the resurrection is for the broken, the resurrection is for the rejected, the resurrection is for the insecure, the resurrection is for the addicted, the resurrection is for the blind, the resurrection is for the lost, the resurrection is for the confused, the resurrection is for the depressed. The resurrection is for the anxious. 
The resurrection is for the fearful. I mean, come on, just go ahead and fill in the blank. The resurrection is for the adulterer. The resurrection is for the fornicator. The resurrection is for the lesbian, for the homosexual. The resurrection is for all of humanity. And Peter is a beautiful picture of this. Right after the resurrection, make sure you tell Peter. Make sure you tell him. You're not doing so good. Just, just had himself a bad week, but tell Peter this. So the resurrection is for those that don't get it right all the time, right? Tell Peter why he didn't get it right all the time. Why? He just denied him three times. Tell Peter, I have a plan for him. So tell him he's not doing so good. Tell Peter, I got a plan for him. I got something in his future he don't know nothing about. He has a, he's not there yet. We're not, we're not in Acts chapter two yet. We're, we're not in the book of Acts yet. We're, we're, we're not in the, the birth of the early church. We're not at the day of Pentecost, but tell Peter that I am alive. Tell Peter that Jesus is alive. Tell him specifically because he needs it. He needs it specifically, intimately. I'm telling you that God is calling you by name and he is, he is desiring to, to tell you um, a specific word for your life, regardless of what happened last week, yesterday, last night, the resurrection is for you. If you struggle, struggled along the way, the resurrection is for you. If you've stumbled along the journey, the resurrection is for you. If, you know, the resurrection is, is for the troubled. The resurrection is for the frustrated. The resurrection is for the mentally unstable. The resurrection is for the emotionally unstable. The resurrection is for the divorce. The resurrection is for people, all of humanity. Hallelujah. The resurrection, folks, is the final seal of our redemption. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The resurrection did this. The resurrection has justified us. Peter messed up big. And they're like, let Peter know. The angel was like, tell Peter this. Tell Peter. All right. Let me read this, this verse just to kind of tie this in. Romans chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. I'm going to read this quickly. Romans 4, verse 24 and 25. But also for us, it's speaking of uh, the being justified by grace through faith. It's speaking of righteousness. It's speaking of us being made righteous as a result of the cross. But, but also for us it shall be imputed to us, what? Righteousness, okay? It shall be imputed or, 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 or given, imparted, okay? So actualized in our life. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. That's it right there. The Bible states it plainly, simply, specifically. The, he was raised because of our justification. Meaning, once it was done, once, okay, justified. The, 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 the penalty was given and the death and burial were enough, justified. So he was raised because we were justified. Hallelujah. The, 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 the resurrection 
is the result of our justification. The price was paid. Done. Over. Tell Peter. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to verse 8. Mark chapter 16, verse 8. Mark chapter 16, verse 8. As you're turning there, once again, first point, guys, the resurrection is for you tell me. Who's it for? All right. But, but verse 8, Mark 16, verse 8. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. Okay. For they trembled and were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, the first people, the angels like, hey, go tell them. They don't tell them. All right. They don't tell them. I mean, they, they, in, in, in essence, and they, they, they were disobedient. They didn't go tell them. They were, why? And I could understand they're afraid. I mean, I mean, these folks here um, that were a part of walking with Jesus and he tells them he's going to die. He, he tells them he's going to uh, be raised from the dead. He said, man, y'all destroy this temple. I'm going to raise it up in three days. I mean, but, but I mean, when I was talking to my wife about this message and just kind of the context, the real context of this, she's like, man, those people went through some trauma. Could you imagine like, your, your savior, you're, you're like, man, this is the Messiah and he gets killed and he's, he dies this, this capital punishment, you know, by the Roman guard and just, they witnessed it. And it's like, man, they're living with him and walking with him for three years. And could you imagine the trauma, right? And so the angel's like, man, he's not here. And they're like tripping still and they don't go tell nobody, all right? Um, and so... What this really has spoken to me about when I was just reading Mark 16, okay, is that the resurrection in the scripture, like the actual storyline, the narrative, you can read it in all the gospels, uh, shows us this. It shows us something. I believe the narrative itself is a picture of the Christian life and what this means to walk with God what this means to be a servant of the Lord, what this means to be a Christian, right? It, it, it shows us that this Christian life is about who God is and what he has done, not about what we do and what we have done, not about what we do for him or, or, or you know, it is about who he is and what he has done. Why? Like, why do I say that? Because when you look at the narrative, all of the known followers and close followers of Christ up to this point, those that would say we knew him, we walked with him, we lived with him, we were empowered by him, we witnessed his love and forgiveness and the truth of, of his word and the walking on water and the casting out of devils and the healing the sick and raising the dead and and, and the healing, giving sight to the blind. I mean, you know, they, you, and then he, he dies. Uh, all those people that you would think um, would be on point maybe at this point, right? Um, but um, they were all, for lack of a better phrase, like his followers were messed up, okay? <laughs> like one of his close guys denies him three times. Um, the, the, even the ladies that come, I mean, they're, they're kind of bewildered and out of sorts here. Um, and here it is, God raises his son from the dead, right? 
he, he, he's not in the tomb. I mean, this is the power of God and his followers, servants, leaders, whatever you want to call them, they're all messed up, like literally in doubt, unbelief. Now, it, it, so the narrative, I'm going to read this again from my notes, but the narrative of the scripture, of the resurrection of the scripture shows us that the Christian life is about who God is. <laughs> it's not about these guys. I mean, God does empower them and but even when we obey God and walk out what he's called us to do, man, it ain't about us at all. It's not about what we do. You know, this is about God's grace and what he does through us. All right. Christian life is about who God is and what he's done for us. So, so this is the thing here, folks, is we get in error or we get off in an error or and in trouble when the focus of our journey with God becomes to be more about us, more about our gifts and what we like and what we do and our purpose. You see, like everything I just mentioned isn't necessarily bad, but this Christian life is not about those things. It is about who God is and what he has done for us. Let's just keep the focus what it ought to be. Let, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Like read the, the, the story of the resurrection and you see that this whole thing is about what God did, who he is and what he did for us. All right, somebody say amen out there, please. All right, it, 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 this isn't about the way we do church and how we do this. And, 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 and our little church camp and our little theological group and our little uh, cute little uh, church subculture. And I'm not, I, I understand we identify with things and we, and we, and there are cultural implications within the, 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 the body of Christ and our liking. But at the end of the day, folks, let's allow Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday to remind us that this is not about us and what, what we do and how we do it. And, and, and you know, it, it is about who God is and what he has done for us, all right? So let's look at this. I mean, this is kind of the main part of today's message, all right? But let's go to Mark chapter 16. Again, let's, let's go to verse nine. So we're just reading through this, reading through the, the, the narrative of the resurrection. Now, now when he rose early, on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Okay, this is, this is gonna just continue to show us what this Christian life is all about. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven demons. Okay, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Verse 10. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Say this, let me say the resurrection is about who God is and what he has done for us. Verse 11, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Say it again. The resurrection is about 
who God is and what he has done for us. All right, let's look at verse 12 and 13 quickly here. Mark 16, 12 and 13. After that, he appeared another in another form. I think that's kind of cool. Like, what does that mean? Another form? To two of them as they walked and went into the country. Verse 13, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. I'm gonna have you say this again. <laughs> the resurrection is about who God is and what he has done for us because these are his followers. There are, they are traumatized. They are in doubt and unbelief. I mean, that Mary Magdalene tells them, they do not believe. He goes to the two, they go tell them, they don't believe. Think about this too. Jesus' value system, can I say it this way, is a trip. Like Jesus' value system is does not line up with the worldly value system. Jesus does not value things as humanity does, as the world does, as the system of this world does. Because the first person he revealed himself to was Mary Magdalene, all right? And she got seven demons cast out of her. Now, I mean, you would think, you know, if, if, if God's trying to drive some influence here, right, trying to get the word out. You know what I mean? He could have very, very well just, you know, stepped right into to, 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 the, to a palace of some sort, go, you know, let Caesar know, you know, somebody that's got influence. You know what I mean? He'd go to the one with the most Instagram followers. But here is Jesus, the most important moment for all of humanity that ever will be, ever was, ever is, or ever will be, and he tells this lady, a woman that had seven demons at one point. He's, she's the first to be revealed that Jesus directly, he reveals himself to her of all people. Why is that? You know, look at the, the story of the resurrection. We're just reading the Bible here. We're just reading. We're just reading verse by verse, Mark 16. Look who he reveals himself to first. This, this is not, I mean, God, Jesus himself had an intimate encounter, or rather Mary Magdalene had an intimate, profound, deep encounter with Jesus. And God is gonna build his church on changed lives not on celebrity uh, uh, Christian industry. Come on now, come on now. You know what I'm saying? Look at the resurrection. He revealed himself to somebody that had a relationship with him that was profoundly touched. Could you imagine? I mean, the Bible's specific, man, seven demons. This woman, who knows what she dealt with? Who knows what she struggled with? Who knows what, how did the out open door get in there? Seven demons tormenting this woman her whole life or however long, but she had them. She was occupied. You know what I'm saying? She was packing, right? And there were some demons up in her. 
And Jesus delivers this woman, touches this woman, liberates this woman. Jesus, Jesus is going to build his church on changed lives that he's alive. He is alive. And he's going to touch people that we don't think deserve to be touched. He's going to touch people we don't even know where they come from. We always, in our in our worldly mindset at times, we go, wow, man, if God really touched that super influential person that has a whole, like, he may do that, but God doesn't need worldly influence to change people's lives. We think we need it. We think that is the value system of heaven. It is not. Or he would have revealed himself to Pontius Pilate. He would have revealed himself in this moment to some sort of religious leader. But he revealed himself. The first person was this woman that was just toe up in her life. All kind of demons and whatnot. It was a relationship thing. This is how God does his thing. It is It is through revealed knowledge. It is not to garner worldly influence. I'm not saying God won't use influence, but God don't need worldly influence to do what he's going to do. God is after influence in the hearts and lives of people. Hallelujah. Somebody say, man, this is the resurrection. Like I said before, I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it 10 more times today. But the resurrection is about who God is and what he did for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus' value system is something else. The first person he revealed himself to. The first to declare that Jesus is alive was this woman, Mary Magdalene. My goodness. Hallelujah. Here's my next point, folks. Deliverance changes everything. Deliverance changes everything. Delivered people got something to say. I'm telling you, deliverance, deliverance is necessary. You, you might not have been demon-possessed by seven demons. I don't know. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But but this is the point. Deliverance is for everybody. Deliverance being profoundly touched and changed by Jesus is for everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody. This is how God works. He heals. He he saves. He restores. He delivers. He frees. He liberates. This is this is the gospel. This is why he came for the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Recovery of sight to the blind. This is the gospel. This is who he revealed himself to. Hallelujah. That's crazy, right? Twice now, twice, twice in just a matter of verses, it shows that his people doubted him. They did not believe, all right? He, they doubted him. They did not believe. Look, their faith was depleted at this point, traumatized. They weren't even believing people that actually saw him. Could you imagine Mary Magdalene being like, yo, y'all know I know him. Y'all know what I've been through. Y'all know what he did for me. He came to me. He told me this. And, and he's alive. And they're like, nah, he ain't. Come on now. Come on now. All right? And th this is what it tells us. This is what it tells us, folks. The resurrection itself is, is the source of faith. Why? because they were depleted. They needed the resurrection. They needed the, re I mean, of course, but in their life, in the, in the narrative of this time, this actual moment, these people needed the resurrection. They needed Jesus to come alive, to be risen from the dead. 
Here is my next point. The resurrection is the source of faith because it's not about our discipline. Our, our faith, yes, faith without works is dead. Yes, once you have faith, receive faith, yeah. But the source of faith is not my discipline. The source of faith is not my church attendance. The source of faith is not what I do. The source of faith is something God did, which is he rose from the dead the third day. All right, so say it with me, folks. Say the resurrection is the source of my faith. All right, praise the Lord. Look at this, despite, okay? I'm gonna read something from my notes here. Despite the fact that Jesus told them time and time again that he would be raised from the dead on the third day, they still doubted, they still mourned, and they still wept. They were traumatized. We need Jesus. We, I mean, this, is, this wasn't about them. It wasn't even about their history with God because even their history with God did not keep them. Their history with Jesus did not keep them. They, they, they came apart. They, they came undone. All right, and sometimes you can look at the disciples and be like, man, he told you. How many times have you come undone, even in your walk with God? How many times have you been doubtful, uh, unbelieving, faithless? Come on, somebody, right? And, and look, they were, it says, you know, they, that here it is. Let, let's go to verse 14. Here we go. We're moving on. We're moving along. We're moving along. Verse 14, we're going we're gonna to continue. Mark 16, verse 14. Later, here's, here, here it is again. I, I believe now, this is the third, third time, third time. Later, he appeared to the 11, the 11. Why? Because uh, Judas hung himself. The 11, as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. There they are again, speaking of their condition at this time. I'm here to tell you right now, regardless of your condition right now, Jesus is alive. Regardless of the doubt, the unbelief, the hardness of heart, the weeping, the mourning, the anxiety, the depression, the fear, I'm here to tell you today, right now, regardless of your condition, Jesus is alive. He rebuked their unbelief. Man, that word rebuke in the Greek is a very strong word. He, he was stern with them. He's talking to the 11 now. He's about to send them. And he's like, man, he checked them. He checked them hard. He, he rebuked them. All right. He challenged them. He chastised them. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So he is correcting them, all right? And so I'm gonna give you some definitions of some words here quickly. Unbelief, it means without divine persuasion. They were walking with Jesus and in this moment of time, they were not persuaded by the divine nature. They were not persuaded by God. They had lost the ability to be persuaded by God. Have you ever been at a moment in time where you in that moment in time were not under divine influence, not persuaded by his divine nature? They, that's what unbelieving means. It means to be without divine persuasion, not moved by God, not moved by his presence, not moved by his word. And it also means to betray trust and to be faithless. How many of you know the Bible says in another portion of scripture that when we are faithless, he is faithful, all right? And hardness of heart. They had hardness 
of heart. And hardness of heart means it is dry. Because how many of you know our, our, our heart is soiled? And even though we're walking with God because of trauma and drama and situations and circumstances in life, sometimes even us, even us Christ followers, we can get a hard heart. And what does that mean? That is dry and it lacks the moisture of the word of God. The Bible says the washing of water by the word. The Bible says the, the word is, is a seed planted in the soil of our heart. And at times if we're not careful because of situations, circumstances, and, 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 and trials, tribulations, whatever it is that we can allow our heart to get dry and hard. And he rebuked them because their hearts were dry. They lacked the moisture and the seed of the word of God. And, and really, why was it hard? Why was it dry? And really, it speaks to some degree or another. It was unattended. It was unattended. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. I'm gonna say it again. The resurrection is about what God has done for us in spite of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The resurrection is about what God has done for us in spite of us. Once again, folks, the resurrection is the source of faith. All right? So here, let's just think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. Here he is. Um, they doubted him time and time again. Peter just came off three... Doubting him three times, weeping, mourning. The first ladies, the angel told to go. They didn't go because they were scared. Didn't tell anyone. He reveals himself to a a woman that, from societal cultural standards at that time, was considered somewhat of a, if I could say, like a nobody, right? Um, but he reveals himself to her first. Not many wise are called. You know, he's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hasn't changed that. That's still how he does things. Hallelujah. All right. And then he get, finally gets to the 11. He's like, man, I'm going to let y'all know right now. And you know what I mean? He let them have it, right? He rebukes them. He challenges them. Why? Unbelief, not believing, hardness of heart. All right. And then I find this so fascinating. Then we find ourselves in, in chapter uh, 16, Mark 16, verse 15. Let me read this. This is where this all leads. This is where it all leads. And he said to them, right after the rebuke, right in the midst of them being in unbelief and doubting, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <laughs> Can you think about this? I mean, we kind of read the, this, what they call the great commission meaning this is what the Christian, the Christian is called to do, right? This is what our commission, this is what God has committed to us, right? This is it. This is our purpose. This is our reason. This is our why. And look at the narrative. Look at the context here. The, these, these people, you know, didn't go to Bible college in this moment. They weren't, I mean, up to this point, they weren't on fire for the Lord. Come on now. They, they, they all, you know, dispersed, weeping, crying, mourning, traumatized, right? Doubting, not, not believing people, 
man, getting rebuked by the Lord directly. And then God's like, then Jesus like, hey, here we go now. Let's go, go. Not like, okay, get it together. Okay, get your little life together. Okay, work on this and work on, no. Right in that moment, Jesus was like, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, he's speaking to a ragtag group that got some serious issues. Like, like you know, Lord, you know, Jesus, I'm just really not ready right now. I really got some things I'm working on. Like, think about it. And so I think we kind of associate obedience to what Jesus is telling us to do. We kind of, we try to, we, we kind of talk ourselves out of it because, you know, we're just not ready. I'm still working on some issues. I, and I understand the context of those things at times. I'm not taking away from that. Okay. I'm not taking away from preparation and from, you get what I mean? Because they were walking with him for three years and he didn't trust things to him and and, but but they had a moment here that wasn't great, and yet he still called them to go. And so you got to understand, this is how God works. Even when Jesus rebukes us and corrects us and convicts us, it is always to take us to what we're called to do. God doesn't shut us in some prison and refuse to trust us again with what he's called us to do. I mean, literally in this moment. Look at this, Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody say, go. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they, and, and, and they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Verse 20. And they, and they went out and preached everywhere. Didn't sit there around and say, man, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. I'm here to tell you guys, the resurrection isn't about you, where you're at. And, and you know, it's not about um, your condition and, and our excuses. I'm just telling you right now, yes, work on that stuff. Yes, allow the Lord to, to, to deliver you and to, and, to, and to sanctify you and to continue his work in you. But let's not use our humanity as an excuse to not obey God because they showed their humanity. Much of the chapter of Mark chapter 16 and the account of the resurrection and in the gospels um, shows our humanity through and through and their humanity specifically. And then yet still comes this commission, this, this, this call to go and obey God and preach the gospel to, to every creature. Because verse 20 says they followed through and they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. Who? These people that were broke, busted, and disgusted not too long before this. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. This is my last point. There is grace to obey. There is grace. You know, the resurrection, 
Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. What does this tell us? I'm going to tell you right now, folks, read Mark 16 again. Read that this week. I'm telling you, there is grace from Jesus because of the resurrection for you to obey. There is grace for you to obey God because Jesus is alive. There is grace to do what you're called to do. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this word. I pray that everybody's encouraged to obey God, to receive the grace and the anointing to obey God. And we thank you, Jesus, that today is about who you are and what you have done for us. And it is not about who we are and what we do for you. Lord, I thank you. I pray that today just stirs um, just a greater heart of worship and praise to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I love you. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.